This is exactly right. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Hello and welcome to That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. My name is Kara. And I am Lisa Traeger. We talk SVU, true crime, celeb guests. This podcast really does have everything. And to add on to it, I now have fake nails. And <laughs> boy, does it change you. She has entered another world. Yeah, it's like a different life. I mean... You notice we- I talk more with my hands, right? Like I'm just <laughs> constantly want people to see the nails. Now they're like a... Yeah, now they're like a centerpiece. You're like a gesticulating queen now. <laughs> yeah. Um I was talking to Rosie about it because she saw Lisa's nails and she, for some reason, is such a little like tomboy, but like loves long nails and was like, oh my gosh, Lisa's nails. And I was like, yeah, I was like, Rosie, I can never get those. Just so you know, <laughs> like don't get like I, not maybe when they're 15, but I mean, not now. But you can get a little glitter dip, you know, they don't have to be oh, long. Yeah. You can get yeah, some yeah, colors. Yeah. I know, I'm going to get something fun. I've got to get got to get my nails done soon. Because Has she gotten her nails done or no? No, but I, I've, I've done them for her. But like, she wants to come with me to the salon. She's into that. That's really cute. So yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go. Maybe this summer. She's a pampered queen. Yeah, yeah. So 
really quickly, I want to. We're getting our nails done. We're getting all this stuff done because we are on the road. We want to look good for you guys when we see you in person. We have just as of this recording gotten back from Denver. Thank you to everybody that came out in Denver, Tempe, San Francisco. But we will be in LA at a new venue on Thursday the 29th. That's in two days. You still have time to get tickets. This venue is called The Bourbon Room. I just went there in March and had a fantastic time. It's in Hollywood. So it's kind of central to everything. And it's a it's such a fun venue and I can't wait to do our show there. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Um, I'm trying to do things day at a time and then everything is a surprise. So... <laughs> That's how but, I feel. But get tickets at thatsmessedoplive.com or the link in our Instagram bio has all of our dates. And um, yeah, like stay and tuned because, yeah. We got new merch. <gasps> oh my gosh. If you haven't seen on our Instagram, if you're one of our listeners that doesn't follow our Instagram, why? I don't understand. We just have beautiful content about our episodes. We have fun little videos of our live shows, all kinds of fun stuff. But we also just announced on there a brand new piece of merch, an amazing muscle tee that says, do you have children, detective? Which we talked about on the podcast, wanting to make merch that said that. And we've done it. It's really cute. And it's your perfect summer thing to wear. Buy one and wear it to see us live. Oh yeah, that would be huge. And that, really the link fun. to that, it's it's like a little bit hard. There's not like a good link to like tell you right now. Just go to our Instagram bio or go to, a, if you just Google exactly, if you just Google that's messed up and get to our exactly right webpage, that has a shop link and will take you to all of our beautiful merch that we have, including this new um, gorgeous muscle tee. I have something for the introduction. So yesterday while I was doing some work, I had, you know, TV on in the background. That's kind of my use. And Hulu has some perfect movies on their roster right now. Like everything that I grew up on. So I watched Center Stage and Mr. Deeds and Browse Dodds, Daddy Dodds in both of them. Oh, wow. He's like a prolific actor. I mean, to do double movies and he's in both. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I couldn't believe it. I know. He was always like a guy I kind of knew who he was. And then, wait, is he in While You Were Sleeping? Or am I crazy? No, oh my that's God. a different person. Was he? I My mom loves that movie. Wait, am I like crazy? No, I think he, well, why is this a 2017 romance yes. from Korea? This yes. is wild. Where's he's the in, old movie? <laughs> he's in While You Were Sleeping. I think he's the one that is sleeping. <laughs> like, right? He's the sleeping guy? Okay, He's the, I think so. And then Bill Pullman's the one she kind of falls in love with like while the other guy is sleeping. Is that, I, I don't remember this movie very well. I watched it when I was a lot younger. So she, uh, it's hysterical. So she, Sandra Bullock, she, Sandra Bullock plays a token taker at the train station and it's a Chicago set movie. Yeah. And so then um, she just has a crush on this one guy that's truly like a fantasy. She doesn't know him. She just, he just gives her tokens every day. He falls in the train tracks or has a heart. Something happens. She saves his life and then goes to the hospital. But she wants to see him. And when the, so she goes, I'm his fiance. So then when all his family comes, they're like, oh, my God, you're the fiance. And so they want to hang out with her all the time. And then she, you know, ends up falling in love with his brother. They just don't make movies like this anymore with like mistaken identity and like funny little hijinks like this. They don't make them. 
This is, yeah, 95. This is a, so yeah, he's the, he's the sleeping guy. He's the guy in the coma. And that's how I sort of always knew him. I think that was his first, uh, uh, dad, daddy Dodds. That's his first foray into my life. But then the dad of, on the OC, a show I didn't even watch. I just feel like that's kind of what got him into everybody's consciousness. That might've yeah, been like maybe. his big break, like one of his big break moments, but maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Everyone's going to write thrilling. me. We get all these comments like, how are you not talking about how this person was in the 1936 revival of this movie? I'm like, I haven't seen everything out there. <laughs> um, well, so, but Zoe Saldana's in it in center stage. Oh, yeah, and that's like, right. like, who would have fucking guessed that this Crossroads SVU center stage girl was going to be the highest grossing actress of all time? She her, is? Her movie's... She's in Avatar and oh, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Two movies I've never seen, but yes. that makes a lot of sense. Correct. We have not seen them, but <laughs> two movies that have made over a billion dollars. Sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she's in blue and green. And, like, I, I just, it's impressive. It's, you know, and in Center Sage, it's like, does the one black girl have to be the one with the attitude? And <laughs> it's like... You know, she just comes in being me. But also there's this other girl in that movie. She was also in um, 10 Things I Hate About You. And I bet she thought she was going to be like a famous, famous girl. And then she wasn't. Yeah. Do you know who I'm talking about? Her name is Susan May Pratt. Not a name that jumps out at you. She's also in Drive no. Me Crazy. I mean, Oh, yes. I recognize yes. this girl. I recognize this girl big time from movies when we were younger, for right? sure. So she's yes. just like a young actress. And in a row, 1999 and 2000, she's 10 Things I Hate About You, Drive Me Crazy, center stage. Huge. Huge. And then since, I mean, she's been working, but it's mostly like, char you know, character actor, like uh, guest stars. She's just like one episode of shows. And so she's working incredible. She's doing this for a living. But I just, I wonder what she was thinking at the time. Like, if I was that young yeah. and in the biggest teen movies of all time, playing like the bitch, I just, you know, I just It's wonder. so funny because like one of the first things that comes up is like what happened to Susan May Pratt. And then it's like, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, she's still acting, but she's also a mom and a wife and she married another actor and blah, blah, blah. She's married to some guy who's in like Jericho and like um, Star Trek Discovery and stuff. So I bet my husband knows who he is. Yeah, it's a great life. No shade. Yeah. I would love to have the amount of credits she has. I just... She was kind of like bitchy girl, right? She was the bitchy girl. The but bitch. not, But not in um, 10 Things I Had About You, she was like... Kind of dorky and loved Shakespeare. She went on a date with Dave Crumholtz. Okay. That was her prom date. Dave Crumholtz, the mushroom man. Okay. From wet. Everything ties back to SVU. Everything ties back to SVU. Let's be honest. Um, Everything. What else is going on? Well, I took Oscar for a little procedure in the hospital yesterday. Little oh guy was getting, he got little tubes in, oh but they asked God. me to get there at 545. His procedure's not till 930. He can't eat anything since the night before. So it's like, he's going, can I have a snack? And I'm like, no, like, sorry, two-year-old. I can't feed you. It was terrible. But I met some very funny children in the waiting room and we had a, we had a little blast. And then, oh my God, him coming out of the anesthesia, everything was fine. Like the procedure was fine. Him going like, everything was fine. The doctor like told me afterwards, she goes, by the way, the anesthesia, them coming out of the anesthesia is the worst part. And I go, okay. They're like, it's just, it's, it's tough. And I go, all right. I go in there. He's like limp and being fed 
apple juice out of a baby bottle. He does not drink out of bottles anymore. <laughs> he is pissed as hell. He's So when he sees me, he's like screaming. He's so mad. He does not stop for like two hours. <laughs> but he's like... He's like a drunk sorority girl. Like he'll focus on the TV for a minute and then he'll be like, uh, like just crying. But he's, it's not pain. It's just like annoyance. He's just like annoyed about everything. And it was wild. I had a wild day with him yesterday. And then I had to put him to bed and get right into SVU work. So it was a fun day. Um, I just think it's so funny that he can ask for the snack and then you're just like, no. I go, mommy doesn't have any snacks right now. Like, I just tried to distract him with, like, TV. Like, he was watching a lot of, like, they gave us an iPad at the place because I had brought my laptop, but they gave us an iPad. They were like, lady, there's better technology for (laughs) on-the-go I know. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is Jared has an old-ass iPad. I need to get a newer one. He has, like, an old one that's, like, you can't load shit on it. And I just wanted Moana. So I just brought my laptop because then I could stream it better. And then Oscar didn't give a fuck about Moana for once in his life and was just wanting to go around all the rooms of the hospital. But, you know. Oh, my God. It was wild. (laughs) So yesterday, me and a friend, I wanted a McDonald's Diet Coke, as you do. And so we get into the drive-thru. And I didn't realize, like, Grimace is in right now. You know, it's his anniversary. It's his birthday. Like, everyone's into Grimace. There's, like... um. A fun tweet that's like, I went and asked for Grimace shit. And someone's like, who's Grimace? And the woman's like, he works here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, they, have a, they have a new shake. They have a Grimace shake. I didn't get it, but I inquired. It's blueberry flavored. So I love blueberries. So I definitely want to try wow. a Grimace shake. I was just in a soda mood. But then I see they have Little Mermaid toys. So I go, I'll take the Happy Meal toys. And they go, well, which one? I go, any different ones you have, I'll take one of each. Like, whatever you have, I'll take the Little Mermaid toys. He goes, we have the bird and the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. That made me laugh. (laughs) That sucks. One of the... I got the bird and the dog, but like, not even flounder. Scuttle's actually hot. Scuttle has a really fun song in the new in the new Mermaid. So my daughter's actually really into Scuttle right now. But um, like she always wants me to play the Scuttlebutt song that that she that Aquafina sings in the movie, which is like a rap more. But that's so funny because moms in my mom group are like, does anybody have the Ariel Mermaid toy from Happy Meals? Like they're like looking for them. So like they're on the they're on. I the- don't know who has them. I don't know if it's like a trick, but like why not just make Ariel? Like why not make a ton of the? No one wants the dog. The dog? Who wants the, the dog? dog? He's in the movie for three seconds. And just the way he said it, I was just like, yeah, I'll take the bird and the dog. So I have them the in my car. <laughs> Wait, so you just pay for the toys separate? You can do that? Yeah. One time at McDonald's tried to deny me and said you had to buy the Happy Meal, but it must it must have been a new employee. You're allowed to buy them. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Grimace is really like having a, you know, Grimace yeah. is a Grimace is a legend, an icon, the moment right now. Yeah, all the staff had like cool purple Grimace shirts too, but I didn't want to be like, you're so lucky you got those shirts, but they are <laughs> they are purple. They are repping Grimace on SVU every day. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to think if people have just listened to the, like, this is the first episode of the podcast they've ever listened to. That would be so funny if you tuned into a podcast and you just popped on episode, like, 134. But that's what I do. I mean, if I'm trying a new one, I usually start with the most recent or, like, a guest I like or, you know, like, I don't always go to the top. 
I will listen for yeah. I'll listen to like the last couple, and then if I like, I'll start from the beginning because I'm like a like a completist. Oh, see, I bounce around because it's so guest specific for me for most podcasts. Yeah, I want a good get like I you know I mean I'll like for well I think the only podcast I really did that with was Bitch Sesh. I just wanted to like. I, I they I, they had only been on for a year, so I was like, it won't take me that long to get through their back catalog, and so and I was driving a lot at the time, like to to jobs, and so like I I pumped through that whole thing, but like Who Weekly is a podcast I listen to all the time. I'm sure I think other people that listen to us listen to them. They just said on their last episode they've made a thousand episodes because they're on twice a week, and they wow. included all their Patreon stuff. I was like a thousand Jesus. fucking episodes, Jesus. Jeez. Well, I felt cool because I recommended a guest for one podcast that I listened to. And so I got to listen to the guest that I connected. Oh, cool. Beyond the show. So it was Allie Colbert's podcast. And I was like, you should have Sophie Santos on. And um, so that, like, I felt like a little producer in my car listening yeah. to the episode. I mean, I just did hers too. I'm about, it's about to come out soon. All right. Well, Stardust View, I did learn a new fact. So we were talking, I don't know how it came up. I was with some people yesterday and the conversation came up as like how The Rock, like the WWE owns The Rock. That's why he's starting to go by Dwayne Johnson. Because if you use oh. the name The Rock, the WWE makes money off of it. And that's why John Cena, they own John Cena because he used that name. So anything he makes, the WWE makes money. And I knew that, but John Cena doesn't give a fuck. He goes, I'd be nowhere without them. I don't give a shit. He's like a company man. You know, he follows rules. He wears cargo shorts. Yeah. So <laughs> then someone there goes, well, I'm friends with a supermodel. And once she stopped modeling, she just sold her name. And now is like made a billion dollars, like is now such a billion. And I was like, wait, who, what, what are you talking about? And it's Kathy Ireland. So in oh, the 90s- yeah. The Kathy Ireland collection at Kmart. But she has nothing to do, she just sold her name. And so after she was like done being able to model, she, every, cookware, clothing, anything, everything, like she just makes money off the name instead her name. of her body wow. and face. And I was wow. like, that- is fucking cool. Because at first I was like, oh my God, why would you do that? But then it's like, yeah, she just is raking it in. And I loved her. I thought she was one of the oh, so best beautiful. of the supermodels. I really loved her always as a kid. But I'm like, way to go. Like, that's so smart. And I thought that was like, I was like, what? And then I'm like, wow, that's genius. It's funny when we were growing up, like the supermodels really were like full celebrities, like right next door to like Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, like you'd be like, oh, I know Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, Christy Turlington, Claudia Schiffer. There was like the like the era of the supermodel. I know now there are big models and they have millions of followers on Instagram and stuff, but are they like as household? Well, I'll tell you what's shifted. I do think like Gigi Hadid, Kendall Jenner, like the Nepo baby models are yeah. huge. Um, and, you know, there's like Coco Rocha. There's famous, but like, I don't think the celebrity is the same because of Instagram. Yeah. Because we only had the models. We only had the sports. Like now everyone is a hottie. Like everyone online is hot. Everyone is sexy. <laughs> everyone can settle stuff. Actresses, you know, Anna Winter was the first to do it. But like actresses are now on the covers of magazines. It's not just right. the models. And so it's like, it's, I think unless you're in it, it's harder yeah. Unless it's like Chrissy Teigen, but I don't even know how, like she's bigger post-modeling, I think. Right, exactly. Or even like, and even the ones you mentioned, Kendall and Gigi sort of got big from TV stuff before they, like as they were modeling, you know? So like TV kind of gave them a alley-oop and like, being nepos. Like to me, Ashley Graham is like so yes. huge. Yeah, I follow but... her, love her. 
do uh, do a lot of people know who she is? Like Cindy Crawford? Like, yeah, I don't know. But the Cindy Crawfords are the Kendalls and Gigi's and Bellas. But to me, they're Nepo babies. So I don't give a shit as much. Well, they were also like in commercials and stuff. Like Cindy Crawford had like major Pepsi, Pepsi. And like there was this famous commercial. I don't know if you remember this, but where Cindy Crawford sang for this perfume called Charlie. And it was the worst thing ever where she was like, and they call it Charlie. Like, you can Google it, I think. But SNL made fun of it. Like, it was... You shouldn't get models to sing. I don't remember that. But I remember, like, yeah, Cara Delevingne. But again, they're all just, like, rich girls. They yeah. come from wealth. So, I don't know about the 90s models. But I don't think it was the same. Like, or is anybody ever getting, like, discovered at a supermarket and then they're, like, a massive model anymore? Like, I, I don't know. It feels so. like you come from a Nepo family or you're rich or you're, like, Cara Delevingne from, like, London or whatever. British society. No, Kate Upton was... Oh, yeah. Kate Upton, she got... Rec- she got found by doing, like, a little dance at a NBA game on the Jumbotron. Oh, yeah. And Kate that's Upton. how she became a household name. And she has one of my favorite magazine covers of all time. But... And then yeah. the girl from my high school, she was a uh, Victoria's Secret angel. She dated Leonardo DiCaprio. She was f- discovered on the beach on a vacation to Florida with her friend from high school. But she is no longer a model, so. Damn. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything from Kate Upton lately either. Where's that girl been? Maybe well, I guess just, I could check her Instagram. Maybe she's just living life. Um, yeah, we got to, oh my God. It's all right, a 20 Casey's minute giving flag. us the long, now he's giving us the second flag. All right, okay, we got to start this episode. We got a hot one for you today. Don't go anywhere. Hello. Okay. So we are doing October Surprise, which is a fun title, honestly. I always, we always give shit to Warren Light, but I kind of like this one. Yeah, but um, I think that this is a um, political term. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, I think it's a political term to call something an October Surprise. It's like people whip it out to fuck you right before the election in November. Oh, that's even more clever. This might be the best Warren Light title we've seen so far. I would say. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. And it's season 15 on Hulu. It says five. The official, it's episode six. Live your lives, people. Live your lives. We don't go by Hulu's bullshit. I know, but then I don't want people later being like, it's actually five. And then me having to be like, how dare you correct me? So I just have to (gasps) (laughs) do this ahead of time. So we're starting off, we're watching a news broadcast about the New York mayoral election. And holy shit, it's Lester Holt. And he is playing a Channel 8 news anchor. And I feel very connected to him. So I thought he was a Chicago anchor and started that way. But it's not. He's always been national news. Um, is Lester Holt a part of your heart? Or how do you Yeah, feel? you know, I've played drinking games with Lester Holt one was time. During the Olympics? Yes. After the Olympics, Lester Holt and a, and a guy who was on camera at WNBC, which is New York's, like, NBC News, they came and played kings with us. It's like, you know, where you pull cards and they all make you do something like, oh, this one's a waterfall. This one, you got to make up a rhyme or something like that. They played, they came and played games with us. Love Lester Holt. He was a fun time. That was at the Olympics in Torino 13 years ago. No, longer. No, way longer. 17. That was so, that's so good to hear. Yeah, he was a CBS reporter and anchor from 1981 to 2000. 
I mean, how many people do you know that have kept one job for that long? Yeah. And then um, he was at NBC News 2000 to present. He does the nightly news and Dateline. And in 2018, there was a poll on the Hollywood Reporter and he was voted the most trusted man in news. Wow. And he's in the muse. He's in the movie The Fugitive, which is Chicago, and maybe that's why I. Oh, he is. Yeah, as a he news is- guy, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. <laughs> so he was in The Fugitive, which is one of my favorite. movies. I like this poll. I feel like Lester Holt kind of like Brian he Williams did. used to be very trusted, and then he wasn't. Matt Lauer used to be very trusted, then he wasn't. Lester Uh-oh. Holt's still kind of the guy. He is. He took over for one of them. I think Brian. I think he Brian. took over for Brian. Yes. Yeah. So whatever, just to start with Lester Holt, I can't, I thought he was like my childhood, but I guess he's just always been for everybody, not just locals. Lester Holt's for the people. (laughs) Yes. And so the lead in this fake mayoral race is Alejandro Munez. God, this is going to be a nightmare episode for me. (laughs) So we cut to him doing a speech to the people of the street, you know, to the people on the streets of New York, and he's really getting people pumped up. And then it cuts to a roundtable dinner type function, and he's campaigning, and he's trying to be super inspirational. He has a wife, duh. No one wants anyone in politics that's single. And guess who she is? The mom from the episode Loophole from 2007. So she's an actress named Karen Olivo, and she's a big-time Broadway gal. So she was original cast of Moulin Rouge, West Side Story, In the Heights. So she's working. And I think we got in trouble a little bit from some of the Broadway babies that listen when we didn't mention that during Loophole. So here we are mentioning it now, giving Karen her props. Another man is speaking, and it's another Broadway baby. So it's a really star-studded cold open, if you ask me. And um, this guy's name is, you know him, Leslie Odom Jr., He's the reverend, and he loves Munez. He can't get enough. And we cut to some men clapping, and holy shit, it's Oz icon Kirk Acevedo, who I love. I am, like, obsessed. And he's been in a few SVUs. And then to keep the star-studdedness of the cold open going, future pedophile Hank Abraham, friend of the pod, and OG Ninja Turtle. So we love him. Josh Pice. Yeah. (laughs) We should say his name. (laughs) Well, one, yeah, Hank Abraham's the pedophile. Josh Pice is the Ninja Turtle. Yes. Um, And he was a great guest as well. And so if he went, and then people were like, I can't believe you didn't mention the Sex in the City thing um, when he was a guest. But I was like, oh no, we talked about it. We had to cut it out. But Maybe if you see us live, you can ask us why. Yeah, not everything <laughs> makes it in. <laughs> so if he wins, he would be the first Hispanic mayor of New York City, and he's for the people. So now his wife is talking at the opening of a center in the Bronx, and Kirk Acevedo is like, yo, to the mayor, I got to handle something. And the mayor excuses him to leave, and he rushes off. Hank Abraham wants the gossip, um, but the mayoral candidate's just like, it's personal business. Get Shut up. So the wife is talking about core values and calls up the father of her children and he comes up to cut the ribbon. As he's cutting the ribbon, we get an amazing editing sequence and the pair of scissors jumps to another Broadway superstar. Jesus, this cold open. Anna Lee Ashford, wife of a former guest. Joey Taps. Thank Joe you so Tapper. much. <laughs> And she's holding up scissors while saying, I'll cut you, I swear to God. Not great. So um, who are the scissors pointed at? It's Mr. Personal Business himself, Kirk Acevedo. 
And he's begging for her to put the scissors down. He grabs her, pushes her against the wall. And uh uh-oh, the police come running in right at that moment as she screams, he's breaking my arm. He says he's on the job with the DOC. The cops make him step back and make her drop the scissors. Her nose is bleeding. And she says that he was trying to rape her. And he's like, what the fuck? No way. Our blonde victim, Lindsay, is now in the hospital with Benson and Amaro. She is like, thank God the cops got here so fast. I don't think I'd be able to hold him off much longer. That was a good impression, right? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So <laughs> she has like a baby nasal voice throughout this um, episode. She asks, also, she is a huge Bravo fan and she was on the episode of Watch What Happens Live with uh, Kristen Doty. Yes. So if um, you guys want to make all those connections in your head and she's starring now on Sweeney Todd on Broadway. So she asks her how he got into the apartment. She uh, she sighs. She let him in because he just wanted to talk. So, you know, she obviously knows him. She says they were in a relationship and she was trying to break it off. And he said nobody leaves him. And he has friends um, from prison that can hurt her. So then it cuts to our boy Barba in a luxurious office. And oh my God, the mayor is coming to visit him. They're friends and they embrace like old friends. And he knows Barbara's busy, but they need to talk about something. And it's about Eddie. Eddie is Kirk Acevedo. So the mayor explains he was in a fight with a girl and she says he tried to rape her and SVU picked him up last night. And he's asking Barbara to please take care of it. So he looks back in thought and he's like, "Uh uh-oh, what am I going to do? So, you know, that's what I would have called this episode, Old Friends or Morals. What will Barbara choose? (laughs) We're back from the credits. We have my favorite guy, Eddie, and he's in interrogation with Finn and Rollins. And he's like, listen, I'm sorry I hurt her arm, but she's going to cut my balls off. And he said he was there to do the right thing. And Rollins snickers and is like, okay, and what's that? He explains she was pregnant and that he had to pay up. And Finn is like, well, and you don't think it's yours? Like, what's up? And I'm thinking he's going to say, I didn't fuck her. I had a vasectomy. There's no way. But his excuse is that he actually has a super strong pullout game. And so that's why this baby (laughs) can't be his. And so he just went over there to get some sense knocked into her. And he actually has to rush if we can finish this up because he has to go visit his son's school. But they're, they still have questions because they're like, well, what sense were you trying to knock into her? Like, what what's up? And basically, she wanted to have an abortion and he's Catholic. So he doesn't believe in that. So what an idiot. And then Finn is like, well, it's you, we found $2,000 on your person. So were you going to pay for the abortion or pay her off? Like, what were you doing with that? And he's smart. And he's like, oh, I'm actually not going to be saying anything else. Thank you. Benson joins Barba in the spying area. And she's like, this case is way below your standards. What are you doing here? And Barba explains in sidebar that the mayor, a mayoral candidate, Alex Munez, hit him up as an old friend and that they grew up together with Eddie, and they were the three musketeers of Jerome Avenue. Alex had heart, Barbara had the mouth, and Eddie had the muscle. Um, They didn't uh, super stay in touch because, you know, they all stayed in the Bronx, and he went skiing in Stad. So... Their friendship did not last. Uh, or, you know, they're still friends. Benson is shocked that the mayor the mayor candidate has time to watch, like, out for childhood friends. Barbara says that Eddie has been volunteering for the campaign. And Benson is, like, no dummy. And she's like, wait, so is he watching out for Eddie or for Alex? And Barbara goes, I mean, I guess both. 
Eddie is dumb, but good. (laughs) And his wife took off and he takes care of his mother and kid and he wants to keep going. But Benson shuts him down and says, I'm sorry, but this doesn't excuse attempted rape. And Barb is like, okay, but what if that's not what it was? And they're like, can we just give him benefit of the doubt? I want to give that to Eddie. And Benson's not happy, but she agrees to do that. So we cut to Amaro, who does not get it and is livid that we're doing any kind of favors for Barbara's friend. And this is a man who has shot at multiple unarmed children at this point. So so, um, there's like a chat happening. It's a walk and talk in the hallways of an apartment building. And Amaro is talking to Benson, being like, why are we doing this? And it's like, well, she would do this for you. So shut the fuck up. So we go visit our blonde girl, Lindsay, and she's vaping. And um, the detectives enter into loud pop music and there's clothes thrown around everywhere in the apartment. And Amaro's like, oh, you don't have to preserve the crime scene. And she's like, "Mm, it always looks like this. So then Benson is (laughs) like, put your cigarette out. And we're all like, that's clearly a vape Benson. Like, I thought you were a detective. Like, that's that that's not a cigarette. It doesn't, she's not <laughs> holding it like a cigarette. <laughs> They're even, I mean, now vapes are more prevalent, but like they don't look like each other. Yeah. It's just she looks like an idiot. But Benson <laughs> judges her for the vape anyhow. They are there to get scoop and she gives it up while sitting on a white furry little seat. So she says that they met, her and Eddie met while he walked into her shoe store about six weeks ago. She's a foot model and a shoe designer. I don't believe her. And then she keeps talking and she does work retail between gigs and I'm back believing her. So Benson, of course, knows the brand of the shoes and she's groping them like, ooh, these look kind of too expensive for Eddie. You know, he is trash after all. And she's like, well, he came in with his wife. And then the next day he came in on his own. And Benson presses, are you sure it was his wife? And she's like, duh. That's why we were, we were fighting about I didn't want to be the girl on the side anymore. And well, the thing is, Lindsay, Eddie said that you attacked him because you were pregnant. And she smiles and goes, that's crazy. So I, she says, I'm not pregnant. And then blows smoke in Benson's face. And Benson's like, okay, well, then why would he say that? And she says, well, if my cigarette bothers you, maybe I could just talk to him. And she looks tomorrow up and down and just wants to suck his dick then and there. Um, so Benson leaves. Lindsay Benson her- knows one of Benson knows one of these girls that's like, I'd rather talk to him. Like we've seen a lot of those from her Maloney days, her Amaro days. There's a lot of them. She's like, after you. I don't know. Does Carisi ever get that kind of treatment? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay and her bold red lips stay. And she says that she doesn't want to press charges anymore. He says that's a little too late for that, babe. And Eddie is a good guy. We just got too hot under the collar. He's like, wait, wait, wait. So yesterday he was trying to rape you. And today he's a good guy. And Amaro angrily and like anger in his face asks, did someone tell you not to talk? And she's like, why would you say that? Dramatic music begins to play. And we just cut to Benson and Barba in an elevator. Barba is fact-checking the slut. He says that Eddie hasn't seen his wife in three years and there's no way he was there six weeks with her. She lives in Miami. And Benson goes, well, yeah, but he's wearing a ring. And Barba's like, yeah, yeah, he's Catholic and loyal. That's why. (laughs) Okay. Um, and Lindsay saw the ring and just ran with the story. Benson doesn't like that she only wanted to talk to Amaro, but Barbara's like, duh, she's a slut. <laughs> so now we see this girl as a manipulator and a liar. But then Benson goes, yeah, but Eddie is also a liar and a manipulator. So a lot of lies everywhere for everybody. We're now at the Lennox Landau School Foundation, October 25th, days before Halloween. And I wonder if our detectives have their costumes planned yet for the big day. <laughs> 
They're talking to a dork of a man who knows Lindsay and he's like, oh no, what's the, what is it this time? Finn and Rollins are there and he did take out an order of protection against her. So how did you guys meet? So she friended, she Facebook friended him after he started the charity and she's like very into school issues, she said. And Finn is like, you're a fool. And he goes, yeah, I'm probably naive. Um, he does confirm an affair. So it's a, um, he calls her the perfect intersection of hot and crazy, but it went wrong because he underestimated the crazy and started demanding money. And when it wasn't enough, she would boil, she said that she would boil the bunny, aka she started stalking the kids, his kids outside their school and sent emails to his wife and the board about the affair and his marriage ended and it's all her fault. JK, it's your fault. You had the family, you <laughs> fucking idiot. And then he lost a giant grant from the Gates Foundation and Rollins is like, wait, hold up. Did she know about the grant? And he goes, yeah, we had a big press release. And then now he finally realizes again, he's like so naive that he got got and he's really sad. Um, And he's like, oh man, it was always about the money. So now we have a, a giant picture of Lindsay on the cork board and Lindsay is a great crazy girl name for sure, I believe. Um, all hands on deck for a brainstorm session. Finn says there are four men with orders of protection against her for harassment and extortion. Rollins then walks in holding papers saying two more orders of protection from an ex-mother-in-law and an ex-shrink who kept getting texts from her to murder her vagina, whatever that means. And Finn is like, oh, that means she's a freak. So I love that part. Well, that's from, isn't that an Amanda Bynes thing? Amanda oh Bynes God. tweeted, I want Drake to murder my vagina right around this time. God, you know, you really have a memory that serves this podcast. Well. <laughs> that is great. I hope Amanda's doing good. I know she Me had a too. recent episode. Honestly, I love her. We're going to get a really crazy biopic about her one day and we're all going to feel bad about what happened. I think we already feel bad. I don't think enough people do. Oh, really? I, thought I, think we, enough, like, I think a lot of people are like, whoa, that crazy girl. And it's like, we need to get the full, like we need the full Britney Spearsing of it all where you know what's going on. Yeah. Even though we don't have that yet for Britney, I feel. No, I mean, now there's um, rumors that we haven't seen her in forever and it's a body double. And then Kevin Federline's taking the kids to Hawaii because I guess in Hawaii, you still, you you have to pay child support till you're 25, but on the mainland, it's 18. So he's taking the kids to Hawaii to continue getting money. Oh my God. Or it's God. 22 or something like that. So she I don't know. She posted something recently that her mom showed up at her door and that they're reconciled. Oh, whoa. But, but who that knows also adds to the... Sketchiness. Body double and that she's been... I just... Who knows? These women give us so much. I mean, Amanda Bynes was... I mean, both of them so talented, but Amanda, just like a comedic little teen child genius. So, so good. I used to have her milk, got milk ad um, magneted to our fridge because I wanted her hair. She had like gorgeous <laughs> hair in the got milk ad. The like, gorgeous blonde highlights. Anyways, murder my vagina merch. Now we're back. Um, So... This girl has gone back and forth about pressing charges. So maybe Barba is right and we give Eddie the benefit of the doubt. Amaro's like, listen, all the other marks were worth the risk. They were all rich people. Eddie works at Rikers. So maybe the target's actually Mayor Alex. Drumbeat. Bum, 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 bum. 
So now we have a courthouse hallway walk and talk with Benson, Amaro, and Barba, and Amaro fills Barba in. Eddie wasn't in a relationship with Lindsay and wasn't trying to rape her, but we think it was with your buddy Alex, and he was shaking him down for Alex, and Alex sent Eddie over to tune her up. Barba glares with anger. He's like, if you knew Yelena, you would know he would never step out on her. And it's like, oh, Barba, you're as naive as that little dork, Um, and you're not objective. And he stays firm and says, you're wrong, but go along with it like any other investigation. I'm not standing in your way. So now Rollins is talking to a classic landlord vibe guy, you know, coffee cup, cigarette hanging out his mouth. And he's like, yep, she moved out last night. Four suitcases and a limo in a hurry. She left a lot of shoes, size six. So if you want some shoes, take them up. So Amaro and Finn are at a campaign event and he's talking up his wife and how she's pretty and smart and you'd all be lucky to have her. There's a Muniz chance and the speech and everyone's like going wild. And then Amaro and Finn are waiting for him and his face sinks a little bit. He lies to his wife and says they're talking about the police foundation event and they walk into the kitchen to have the chat. Alex says he's in a hurry and they're like, okay, bud, it's a low, like for me, I'm like, it's a local election. Like, I think you can relax a little bit, but also there's some loose ends to tie up. So they bring up Lindsay and he quickly is like, yeah, Eddie's an idiot and not the best judge of character. And she probably saw an easy mark. But Amaro brings up how, guess what? Not only is he dumb, he's also poor. So why would she go after him? He says he doesn't know what to tell them, but, you know, they get closer to him and they're like, hey, we're being respectful and we're not bringing in the brass and we're keeping it quiet. But like, is he covering for you or what? He says he's a happily married man and he's never met Lindsay and he swears on his mother's grave like a real housewife at a reunion. (laughs) Deny, deny, deny. Um, He's like, why? What did she say? And they're like, "Uh, nothing at all. She left her apartment last night and we're tracking her down. He just smiles and walks off and he does not give a fuck. And is not nervous. So Finn and Amaro are walking, being like, huh, what are we going to do? Like, he does not think that we're going to find her. And then Amaro is like, well, don't worry about that. I friended her on Facebook. And this is so dated because then Finn asks if she poked him, which is hysterical. Um, She liked his photo. And, the like, poking is such a Mark Zuckerberg thing. Because even when we like, were all dorks. big on Facebook, we weren't doing that. Like, even when Facebook was the thing, you weren't poking. No, but it is just such a dork thing. Like, haha, I like you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so Harvard. So she liked his photo, and her most recent photos are on a plane headed to Israel for her new job as a political consultant to the Labor Party in Tel Aviv. L O L. (laughs) Like she was just living in a fully like disheveled apartment with a bunch of shoes. And now she's like off to help the Labor Party in Israel. Adios. (laughs) Shalom, you mean. So we run to Hank Abraham's office, aka future pedophile. Um, and so probably current. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So how does a former shoe clerk work in your client's political campaign in the Middle East? I didn't realize New York mayors have political campaigns in Israel. What is happening? <laughs> uh, I don't know. 
Can someone please write to us? I don't understand what's happening. He corrects him, shoe model, I believe. <laughs> then he smugly is like, wait, how is this SVU's concern? He also says, I mean, should I call the DA? Because I'm handling his campaign, so what's up? And Finn is like, you do whatever you need to do. And Amaro's like, I mean, it's going to look pretty bad. A spin doctor who can't control bad press about his own office. And Hank says, okay, can we just handle this quietly? It's a private matter. And Finn is like, oh shit, she was involved with you? And he says that um, his right-hand man, that's what it was. And it's a disaster. He has a wife and two beautiful children. And so then it's like, well, why did he cheat? And these guys are just all such trash bags. Like you can't use your wife and kids as an excuse of why someone should be quiet when you don't think about them when you do bad things. Right. Why do I have to think about your family more than you think about your family? It's like wild. Yeah. So they're like, fine, can we talk to him? But sadly we can't because he's at a job overseas. Let's Let's guess where. Yes, Tel Aviv. So I feel like, I don't know if I was confusing here, but this girl has also had things with the right-hand man. So they're both in Israel and Hank's like, listen, it's a win-win. So the DA has heard of this special little meeting and Barbara confronts Amaro and Benson with that info. But like, okay, like, I don't, I don't know. Barbara's a little annoying here. And Barbara's like, wait, why would he send a campaign worker out of the country right before the election? So he's starting to maybe be suspicious. So Barbara's understanding it. Like, maybe your friends from the Bronx suck. Like, I don't know. So then Barbara inquires, like, what have Eddie and Alex's responses to this have been? Alex has denied, and they can't find Eddie. So then Barbara suggests him reaching out to them. So Amaro's like, no, I was going to suggest going the other way, and you should recuse yourself. But the DA has asked him to stay on it um, for the optics, and he wants to be kept in the loop. So Amaro accuses him, like, oh, okay, so you can keep Muniz in the loop. And Barbara is offended, and Benson tells them both to calm down. Benson is going to keep digging. And Barbara's like, okay, cool. But if you're going to take a shot at the front runner of the mayoral campaign 10 days out from the election, make sure you don't miss. Done, done. So they go to the apartment of Eddie and a child answers the door. His dad is home and the dad like sends him back to the apartment, into the apartment as he approaches the door. His voice is raspy and he is looking great. So they got some questions for him. He's like, sure. So the DA is dropping the assault charges, right? And they're like, yeah, but this is about witness tampering. He seems confused about what they're talking about. And Finn's like, well, what was the $2,000 in your pocket? He's like, I told you it's for the abortion. And Rollins is like, you mean the one you don't believe in? So, caught in a lie. Rollins is like, we think it's money Alex gave you to shut her up. and But to me, that's not a lot of money. Yeah, maybe it was just like a first installment. They just got to yeah. get her to shut up for 10 more days, you know? Two grand is just... That's, re- yeah. that's a month of rent. Yeah. Because her apartment was nice. They try to make it look shitty, but... We know what New York is, and it was a great apartment. (laughs) It looked pretty good. Yeah. He says, look, mad respect, okay? (laughs) What? But his lawyer told him he doesn't have to talk to them anymore. Rollins says, by lawyer, do you mean Alex? Um, And he's like, I got to go cook dinner for my family. And he shuts the door. Barbara is at his desk working late as Yelena walks in. And she's in a cocktail dress. And they speak some Spanish and hug. And she's on her way to another rubber chicken dinner. Um, He says, well, um, then they're very lucky. And, you know, they giggle. So what's up? She says, you tell me. Detectives came to talk to Alex. So what's up? 
So Barbara's in suspenders and is like, okay, Alex sent you so I could tell you more information. And she's like, no, not at all. He lied and gave me some excuse and he doesn't know that I'm here. And so then Barbara goes, great, then let's not have this conversation at all then. And Yelena is like, nah, that doesn't work for me. You're Alex's old friend. So if there's something that we need to worry about, you should tell us. He says he can't talk about this with her. Yelena says that Alex didn't marry a fool and he's on the verge of doing something really great for all of us. Then she says, Poppy, don't ruin his chances. And I love that. (laughs) Barbara says if he has nothing to hide, then he has nothing to worry about. She nods and says, so it's like that. Hmm. So just tell me one thing. Is this in any way about us? They stare. He doesn't answer. She walks off. I guess this is like one of the... I watched this show always thinking Barbara was gay. Like I never saw the the Barbara Benson thing. But I guess this is one of the times where he does have maybe a thing, past thing with a woman that I must have missed. Yeah, but they're also all young. Some people don't come yeah. out until, you know, That's grad true. school. So yeah. But he's flirting know. with her a little bit. Like, yeah. I think he plays, ba- I think Barbara plays him by, but like he's flirting with her a little bit. So I, but I don't see that with Olivia, the flirting. I see no. that with this woman. Yeah. Yeah. No, Barbara is by. So we got our cuties in a side room with the blinds down. So we have Benson, Amaro, Rollins, and Finn waiting for Barbara to enter. He enters and is like, where is the fire? So there's a laptop propped open, and uh oh, there's something that they need him to see. Amaro explains, since Lindsay found her um, other marks from social media, we decided to do some investigating. So Rollins, the queen of the flirt, went online and set up an I heart Alex Muniz for mayor page. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing. So he messaged um, in a half an hour and wrote, hey, babe. Um, And Barbara's like, wait, you set up a honey trap? And she proudly says, yes, that's why I came here from Georgia. (laughs) To be your IT girl. Yeah. He then suggested to take the convo off a less public site. And they went on a site called Pleasure Without Conscious Conscience. Oh my God, you know that word really trips me up. <laughs> Uh-oh. So this is pleasure without conscience. It's a cheating site. And he has an account and his alter ego is Enrique Trouble. (laughs) She sent a sexy selfie, you know, cleavage, and Rollins uh, shows it off to everyone and goes, thank you, thank you. I'm a slut. Barbara keeps being like, sure, this is a hoax. Like, this isn't real. And she's like, well, I asked for a photo, so we're waiting for a response. And Barbara then goes, well, don't hold your breath. He's at an event right now, a fundraiser with his wife and daughters. And Barbara's like, he doesn't have fucking time for this. And Finn knows the game. And he goes, no, man, guys like this make time. Guess what? Ding, ding, ding. We got a reply. Tuxedo shirt and suspenders down and a really hairy chest. And I like it. She says, is that all you got? Ding, ding, ding. And now it's him in his underwear with his dress pants around his ankle. Ding, ding, ding. We don't get to see this, but Finn does see a a picture and he goes, that's the full Muno. (laughs) Munoz. 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 That is the full Munoz. (laughs) I don't even think my tongue moves in that way. (laughs) So Amaro looks smug like, see, told you. And this dude wants to be the next mayor of New York. And Barbara's in shock. Um, So now Barbara and... Munoz are at a cafe diner vibe and it looks like my perfect restaurant. I would love to get some corned beef hash at this place. 
So Munoz is like, this is... Did I do it again? Munoz Munoz is like, this is terrible. Someone's setting me up. And Barbara's like, okay, yeah, I know that. And that's why I'm here to clear this shit up. So someone else sent the pictures of your penis. (laughs) And he's like, I'm not even going to dignify this with an answer. And Barbara's like, well, I'm your friend and you better start speaking up. And he's like, I was hacked. I was hacked. And Barbara goes, great. We'll get our tech team on it. And he goes, no, 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 no. My team will be on it. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. He's like, how can you believe this? It's obviously Wall Street trying to keep me out of City Hall. And Barba is done. He says, you better start being honest with me and honest with yourself. You came for me. You came to me for help on Eddie's behalf. And Alex is like, yeah, because you're our friend. And Barba responds, and you didn't ask our friend to go shut Lindsay up. And Alex angrily says, enough. I don't have time for this. And it's like, you better make time, babes, because you're going down. And while he's walking out, Barbara says, it looks bad. Alex turns around and says, to who? To you? Hmm, you get to judge me? You my, you're my priest? You gonna tell me how many Hail Marys I gotta say? And Barbara cuts him off. Alex, I'm going so way out of a limb for you. I could lose my job simply by speaking to you. So please tell me there are no other women out there. And he says, Yelena is the only one. And I'm sorry if that hurts, Raphael. Okay. Rafa and Yelena definitely had a thing and she chose Alex. Bad choice. So Barba is back with his crew saying that he thinks Wall Street is setting him up and Amaro does not like this. And it's like, wait, you gave him a heads up? What the fuck? So not only is he tampering with witnesses, he now has you to cover it up. And Benson plays teacher. Barba yells, have you found any evidence yet? And the answer is no, not on the public sites, but they're going to keep checking. Barba walks off in a tizzy, but Amaro stops him on the way out as they bicker back and forth. Amaro's like, you know you can be charged with obstruction. Barbara spins around. Fine, report me. See where that gets you. And Amaro says, it's not just about the sexting, dude. If this comes out after the election, it's going to look like we were carrying the water for him too. And Barbara goes, okay, but if we do it now, it's going to look like a political hit. Barbara goes into the elevator and Amaro jumps in at the last minute to join him. Barbara's like, oh, great. You giving me a ride? Thanks. Then says, I'm not cutting him a break because we're friends. And Amaro's like, yeah, I don't think it's about friendship. It's about you. You're afraid to go after him because while he stayed in the hood and played man of the people, you went off to Harvard and pretended you were one of the whites. He says gringos, but I I felt silly. And he's playing, he's playing you, dude. He is making you feel like a sellout and Barbara's like, okay, yeah, thanks for that bodega psychoanalysis detective. (laughs) I love bodega psychoanalysis. I really like it. Maybe a bracelet, maybe, maybe a bracelet merch. Bodega psychoanalysis. So they speak Spanish to each other and split up. Benson asks Amaro as he walks back in if they are okay. And he um, says, guys like Barba are too smart for their own good. He gets the vibe from the crew that they're over it. And he's like, what the fuck do you guys think? I should drop this? And Finn is like, I mean, sexting's not a crime. And he doesn't want to see any more selfies. And then he giggles. And Amaro's not laying down on this. He's like, this clown could be mayor. And he opened himself up to blackmail. And this can be the tip of the iceberg. Rollins says, uh-oh, you might be right. It might not be just the tip. Benson runs over to him like, dude. There's so many puns. 
Benson runs over to him like, dude, if it is a political corruption case, we have to hand it over to the feds anyways. Finn is like, what are we going to send over? The pics he sent to Rollins? And Rollins is on the laptop saying that she's not the only one and that his alias Enrique trouble is popping up on other sites. It goes back over a year. 10 so far. Finn says that makes him a dog, not a criminal. And Finn's body language is full lazy boy at this point. Like he is lounging at work. (laughs) Rollins goes, well, except one of these women that he was sexting uh, with just got an executive position at the New York Gaming Commission. Finn stands up slowly and reluctantly. The violins start playing. Who pulled those strings? No government background. Finn, after looking at the pick for a second, says, wait, hold up. I've seen this girl on screen before. And it wasn't on C-SPAN. So we all know (laughs) Finn is a porn addict. And with an encyclopedic knowledge of every (laughs) porn actress's face. So they go visit her. She's confused. Um, I already have the position. Finn and Rollins walk behind her. Just a few questions. Like on your resume, it says you went to University of Michigan and they don't have a record of you attending. She's like, damn, I should look into that and fix it. I mean, I was more auditing. Really, Rollins says, what subjects? She says dance and movement. And Finn is so shady and goes, no acting? She laughs and says, no. Finn brings out the DVD. He wants to get it signed. And so he's like, "Um, well, I have this DVD and it's called Million Dollar a Night, Baby. (laughs) She says, this is unfair. Stands up and says, that was a long time ago. I didn't do any adult films after that. Are you guys from Vice? I didn't do any adult films. I did nothing illegal. Rollins says, we just want to know how you got your job here. And she name drops Enrique Trouble. And she's like, whatever. What If he got me the job, who cares? It's Albany. Believe me, there are people a lot less qualified working here. So now they bring... And who wants to work in Albany? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so now they bring the DVD to Barba in a parking garage, a la Deep Throat Vibes. And he's like, okay, okay. So let me get this straight. He used his position to get a former porn star a job in Albany. <laughs> So, yeah, basically they had a little text, text time. And then six months after that, she was complaining about how hard her life is. So Barbara gets excited, like, yay, he helped her out. And they're like, babe, no. She told him she got a call from a reporter wanting to collab on a book. And then Alex started paying her off. Pretty cheap. Again, only $500 a month. But when the mayoral race campaign came up, um, he got her a job with the state. Any uh, money trail, Barbara asks, and Finn is like, no, he's too smart for that. It's always a bag man delivering cash every time. It's silence. Barbara knows the bag man. So Barbara goes to see Eddie, who's at the park. He's like, how did you find me? And Barbara's like, oh, well, I went to see your mom who told me where you'd be. And then they talk about how hot his mom is. So then Barbara sighs and sits down and um, they have a little talk. Barbara reminisces how Eddie always had his back and took care of him and, you know, lunch money protection. And um, I'm in love with Eddie, even though he is (laughs) anti-choice. Eddie calls um, him his brother and says he would never have learned English if it wasn't for Barba. And they smile and it's really cute. And Eddie's like, we're even, right? And Barba goes, yeah, you're loyal to a fault. And then they stop talking about the past and we're in the future. And Eddie asks how much trouble he's in. And Barba explains witness tampering, bribery, Eddie, those are felonies. 
Eddie drops his head and says, I can't roll on Alex. Barbara says, you have to start to think about yourself because if not, you're going to go to jail and an XCO in jail, that's going to be like a hard time. Eddie's like, dude, he has always been so good to me. When he's mayor, he said he's going to get me a job at 1PP. And Barbara says, yes, but Alex is looking out for himself now. And you have a son and a mother to think about and you're not going to be um, any good for them upstate. So he goes, I can't, I can't hurt Alex. But then he just goes, you know what? You were always the smart one. Why don't you tell me what to do? Barbara pats him on the back and it seems like he's pretty ready to talk now. So Eddie's in interrogation with his lawyer and Benson is taking down notes. So two stops a week to deliver envelopes to Anna and Jenny. Benson asks, um, what about Lindsay? And he's like, well, that was a one-time payment. And Amaro is hands on hips watching, um, standing up. Alex told him it was all legal and that we had to do it for the people of New York. And both Anna and Jenny ended up on state payrolls. One is in gaming and one is in tourism. And his lawyer's like, so we done here? And Amaro asks Eddie, are we done? So Benson explains, we gave you queen for a day. But if you have anything else to say, now is the time. He nods, no. So the lawyer's like, he cooperated fully, come on. And Amaro says, okay, but don't forget, if we find info that you didn't tell us everything, you could still go to prison. So then Eddie whispers to his lawyer and then admits there was another lady. And um, he goes, I didn't handle her. They ask why not. And he has no idea. And he's like, I don't know, maybe because she's from Yonkers. Um, And he overheard Alex talking to his brother-in-law about making another run. And this person's name is Jody. Jody something, like a French name. And um, she's a school teacher. And so dramatic music plays. We go to Grant High School. A principal points to a person. Amaro says, Jody Lanier. Um, And then a young girl turns around. She is a teen. Amaro and Finn tell her they need to talk. When they are alone in a classroom, she breaks down. Oh my God, if this is about the mall, I already paid for those bracelets. So clearly she stole those bracelets. And they're like, no, Alex Munoz. And she denies knowing who that is. She denies knowing who that is. And Finn is like, okay, then um, why did he give you money? And she's like, okay, fine. I know who he is, but we never met. And they're like, okay, but you did meet online. You exchanged messages. And she's like, I can't talk about this. And they're like, no, we know because he's paying you, right? And Amaro reminds her that she's not in any trouble. And so like, you gotta help us out, girl. Show us your cell phone. And she says, I have rights don't I? <laughs> and I love that. Um, Finn kind says, of. yeah, Finn says, I mean, we can get a warrant, but we'll have to talk to your mom. And so then, no, 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 please don't call my mom. And so she panics, but this is also why you need to be a cool mom. So at this situation, your kid's like, yeah, go tell my mom yeah, instead yeah. of, oh fuck. And then gives it all up to the cops. I mean, in this situation, someone's doing something illegal to her, but like, whatever that I'm off my soapbox. So she panics. <laughs> hands over her phone. She is not happy about it. We cut straight to the Five Boroughs Police Association Ball, October 30th. It's a fancy affair. Barba is there. He demands a private conversation. Hank Abraham is like, are you fucking serious? We have CEO and union leaders here. We have to save the city. And Barba's like, okay, yeah, I've never been more serious. Like, shut up. Hank's like, I'll go with. And Barba goes, you stay right here. So Yelena is like, what's up? And Barba again is like, just Alex. This is not a group project. Okay, let's go. And so then Alex is such a little creep and he kisses Yelena with his eyes wide open, staring at Barba. Oh, as he I didn't even clock her. that. Gross. No, his eyes are open looking at him. It's really gross. Yeah. Um, and then Yelena looks fucking nervous. Nervous, worried. So then um, Alex is like, whatever you have to show me, it won't alter anything besides our friendship. And they're outside in the darkness of night. And he asks Alex, Alex, 
and now she now it's Alice. So now we're gonna call him Alice. Um, down the looking <laughs> glass, he asks if she, uh, he recognizes these women. Stripper, porn star, you help them get on the state payroll. And Alex says, yep, our office helps a lot of people. And Barbara pushes, I guess it's trickier when they're too young. And then shows him a picture of the sophomore student in a bikini top. And he's like, oh, come on. She friended the campaign on Facebook and wanted to volunteer. And it's like, even if that's true, you shouldn't know about that. Like, why are you dealing with the Facebook? You've obviously hired, like, you know, hired interns to do that. So Barbara says, you guys exchange direct messages. And he responds that he's done that with hundreds of other constituents. And then Barbara has to yell, she's not a constituent. She's 15, Alex. She's not voting. He says he had no way of knowing that. I just went to a high school graduation and I could tell you, it's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really obvious when these people are children. And this guy just like cannot tell that he is done for. This is very scandal. You are done. Um, Barbara goes, really? No way to know that? Even after the picture she sent? You asked her for the pictures, by the way. And they're sexy. And you solicited and exchanged these photos with a 15-year-old girl. You are in possession of child pornography, dude. And Munoz only asks, where did you get those? And it's like, if you're in a, it's again, scandal. It's him going, um, I would usually have deleted those things from my phone. And it's yeah. like, no, the normal response is, I would never, that ain't me. Like, fucking idiot. So then he guesses, he goes, Eddie. And Barbara scoffs, Eddie, your bag man, you used for everyone except the child because you knew that would upset him. Eddie truly is a hero of this. Like he didn't want to deliver to a, you know, for pedophilia reasons. yeah. Alex calls him a son of a bitch. You're using Eddie to swift boat me, taking advantage of him? Barbara laughs like, oh yeah, I'm the one taking advantage. Then he flips on Eddie fast like, I didn't ask him to do this. Maybe he thought he was looking out for me. Barbara says, yep, yeah, mm-hmm, okay. Here we are, Alejandro. Um, I have to turn these over to the special prosecutor. So maybe suspend your campaign and it might go easier for you. Alex says, damn, they got my oldest friend to be a hatchet man. How much are they paying you to take me down? He asks. And Barbara is like, there is no vendetta here for you. He cuts him off six days before the election. Barbara reminds him that he risked everything to give him a fair warning and you fucking know it. He responds, this is what I know, Rafa. Ever since you got that Ivy League scholarship, You've been hooked on their teat. I don't like that word. He says, you think you're one of them because you go on their ski vacations and yachts? The man snaps his fingers and then goes, and you jump up. And Barbara responds, it's not about me. And you damn well know it. And he's like, you know what Yelena thinks? She thinks that you've always been jealous of me because you can't stand to see another Cubano get ahead because you think there's room for only one of us at the top. And if I go down, that leaves you. Let me tell you something. You take me down, the people will hold it against you and you won't be able to show your face in the barrio. Your political future will be over. Are you threatening me, Alex? I'm looking out for you, Rafi. And just like the old days, he grabs and squeezes his shoulder and walks away and it fades to black. And now we're back at daytime and it's a press frenzy. Insanity in front of the foundation. So we hear no comment, no commenting, but then he continues to talk because he can't stop himself because he's scandal. Um, <laughs> New Yorkers are smart. They know the powers that be are terrified of me becoming mayor. Hank and Yelena stand on either side of him as he addresses the press. A reporter straight up is like, um, is it true that you were 16, a 15-year-old? Hank shuts that down. No questions. He blames Park Avenue and real estate moguls and white-collar criminals 
and powers that benefit from the status quo. And they know that I'm going to fight, but I'm going to fight for the working people. And then another reporter is like, hey, Yelena, are you standing by your man? And Munoz just rambles on and doesn't let Yelena answer. He continues, we've come too far to allow them to get away with this. Another reporter pushes, um, what about the explicit photos you sent? Alex is so frustrated. He just wants to keep talking in platitudes. He says that he was set up by rich people that used, that used the corrupt NYPD to do it. We pull back and this interview is on a TV screen and it keeps pulling back. And oh my God, where are we? Who's watching? What's up? We're in a bar. Um, And then he brings up IAB investigations and then names Barba by name and says, you know, my old friend has proven to be the lapdog of the city's aristocracy. Barbara Benson and Amaro sit around the bar um, under a, on a hanging American flag. So we know they're at a cop bar. Benson asks the bartender to mute it. It also looks like Benson and Amaro are just drinking water. Did you notice that? No. It's truly, because then I was like, if it was vodka or something like that, there would be ice. It is truly glasses of water. <laughs> and the condensation looks like water to me. Maybe they're on the job. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And they're like, it's really funny. He still thinks he has a shot. And Barbara calls him a brawler and says he gave him a chance to do this quietly, but he refused. So then Amaro's like, well, you know what? I will. I'm going to go quietly into the wind, baby. And he says goodnight and leaves. Benson sips her water. But, um, Barbara then says, I mean, don't count him out. When I was seven, my mom said, stick with Alex. He's going to be mayor of New York someday. She never said that about me, Tear. Oh, baby Barba. Benson asks if he's okay, and he says, it's politics. No danger of a traffic jam on the high road. She's like, yeah, but he was your friend. And he adds, so was Yelena. She thinks this was personal and not professional. Benson reminds him that he had a job to do, and he did it. And that's all it was. He asks, was it? He is sipping on whiskey. He is not on the job, and he is depressed. <laughs> he has clocked out for the day. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, this episode is not done. Like, I feel like, please be over. But it's going to keep going. So the elevator doors open, and Barba marches out. And there is Leslie Odom Jr. again, and he wants a word with Barba. He's like, your office is ruining the reputation of a man who can turn this city around. And he's spoken like a true man of God. Reputation over everything. Child porn, no big deal. Really wearing that collar well. So then Barbara has no patience and gets in his face and lets him know that he is no longer involved in this case. But trust me when I say that this was not an easy decision and he was my old friend. And the reverend's like, who cares? I don't care about that. I care about the city's poor being ignored. And he's like, you chose to sacrifice all that because of a zipper problem. I just love this scene. I honestly, this is chef's kiss. <laughs> he says, I'm sorry. It's out of my hands now and walks off. But the episode still not over. So we're at arraignment court on Halloween, Thursday, October 31st. And it seems like the lawyer is perfect for Halloween. Very spooky vibes. Alex's lawyer has a white long haired ponytail. I love it. <laughs> The lawyer is saying, release this man. This is all politically motivated. And Yelena is like nodding in the stands. And the judge is like, shut up. Save the speeches. Bail is set at $10,000. Moving on, gavel, gavel. And then it turns to Barbara and Benson, who are also watching in the stands, nodding. And now it's the final end. I feel like this episode had four endings. Like it could have kept ending. I'm really surprised that it didn't end after Barbara going, was it? Like it was, it was about work, not personal. And he goes, was it? I, that's to me where it 
would have ended. Yeah, that's what I mean. There was like four endings. This is kind of like uh, Beef. Beef had like four episodes that could have been the finale. Yeah. But it kept on trucking, giving us more. Um, Great episode. I'm into it. I'm into it. I have a question, though. What was going on with Eddie and Lindsay, though? The thing that kicked this whole thing off. Why was there scissors? Why was there physical physical shit going on? Why were they fighting like that? He just came there to drop off money. Well, I bet she didn't want to be quiet or she like started mouthing off or something or threatening. I don't know. You're right. Like, it seems like he would have been Eddie, like, here's your money, bitch. Bye. And instead it was like this huge thing. And then the cops yeah. come and her first thing to jump to is he tried to rape me instead of he tried to stab me, like whatever. Like, yeah. And Eddie does seem like an upstanding gentleman. Like, I don't know why he would, but, but she, or she, I yeah. mean, she was punched in the face. She was bleeding from her nose. And he said she was trying to cut his balls off. So that's why I was like, what is it? Maybe, maybe she, he said, this is all the last you're getting or something like that. And she went fucking ham. Who knows? But it it's just, yes. I was wondering about it. Yes. I think the same as Lindsay. Two grand. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah. I want 20. I yeah. think that's it. That's the, that's the. So she physically went after him with a pair of scissors and said, hey, volunteer for the campaign. I'm going to stab you if you don't get me more money. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Lindsay uh. is a vibe. Okay. Stay where you are and I'll give you guys all the real life political tea when we come back. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. And we're back. And this is just like an episode of Hysteria where we're talking about politics. Um, this is obviously very clearly based on the Anthony Weiner sexting scandal. They make it incredibly, incredibly similar so that you cannot think it's about anything else. Well, and um, I'm really excited because I know nothing. I only know just like 
the headlines, but not the articles, you know? Like, I don't actually know anything about this. And I know you're a New York crime expert, so I'm very excited. I also have to say this is very hard for me because I do smell that my mom is baking a cake and it smells delicious. Oh my God. Okay, well, we'll get we'll get through this quickly so you can go put your finger in the icing or whatever. So- No, you know Russian desserts do not have icing. These are wait, present cakes. What kind of cake will it be? Apple cake. It's apples. Oh, Jared apples. would love that because he doesn't like cake but he does love apple pie. And I bet that would be a good crossroads for him. Please ask your mom if she could just scoot a little piece of that into the mail for Jared. He would love that. (laughs) Um, So I like this too, because even though I lived in New York at the time and I was here for all of this, this really was like such a like punchline thing. It was like how we never really knew about Monica Lewinsky because we just were like, oh, the stain on the dress, punchline. Like it wasn't, we didn't really know the full story. But also his last name is Wiener. I know, I know. It's too silly. It's too fucking silly. So Anthony Weiner was a Democratic congressman for New York's ninth congressional district, which is entirely in Brooklyn. It's like um, South Brooklyn. And he was elected in 1998 and he was reelected every two years for six elections up through 2010. He was reelected in 2010. Then in July of 2010, he had kind of a a viral moment where he made a speech on the House floor about healthcare for 9-11 emergency responders. And that kind of like, like I said, went viral and got this guy like kickstarted into politics. Like now people are starting to talk about Anthony Weiner more like, oh, who's this guy? Like young, kind of handsome. Like what's this guy's deal? So now that was in 2010. Fast forward a little less than a year to May of 2011. And a photo of a bulging crotch in underwear appears briefly on Weiner's Twitter account. Okay, so it goes up on his Twitter account and then, oops, he's deleted, but nothing is deleted on the internet. Everybody, you know, screenshots or it's Wait, everyone I'm knows it. sorry to go backwards a little bit, Kara. You said he was um, a hot man? Well, no, no, no. Handsome, I said. Like he, at the time, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying hot. Huma's very beautiful. She sees something in him. Back in the day, I saw something kind of cute about him. Not in these current photos. Oh, let me look at their wedding photo. Yep, no, not not hitting it for me. Yeah. Not hitting it. I, but I, I could see how... But I do love old people on Twitter just like accidentally putting bold shots on their feed. Yeah. Like that is pretty comical to me. Yeah, 2011, he puts a bulging crotch photo on his uh, Twitter account. It goes away. The first person to cover this is obviously Andrew Breitbart of the Breitbart blog or whatever. He's a conservative blogger. A few days later, it's May 30th. Wiener tells people, my account got hacked. Look, and and he says, quote, look, this is a prank and not a terribly creative one, end quote. So it's been three days. He's taken it in stride. He's continuing to deny posting the pic, but he's elusive about whether the photo is of him. He's not answering about whether, is that you? On June 6th, so now we're about 10 days out from the scandal, he does a 180 and he confesses in tears to engaging inappropriately with women online. He admits the photo is of him and that he lied about the Twitter hack but he says he will not resign for as from from congress and that his wife Huma Abedin and he are staying together. Huma Abedin, we've spoken about her on this podcast before. She is the, was the deputy chief of staff to Hillary Clinton when Hillary Clinton was US Secretary of State from 09 to 2013 and then she was the vice chair of 
Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign up through 2016. She is Hillary Clinton's, like, one of her right-hand people. Like, like they are tight, tight, tight. So, well, did people make a lot of jokes about how they're both women that men are, that their husband, that was I a lot, think so, that was a lot of sure. humor, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. A lot of, like, stand-by-your-man humor with these two. So... Days after this confession, it becomes public that Wiener and his wife are expecting their first child, okay? Now, this shit starts to unravel very fast. Less than a week from from the confession, Wiener says he will seek treatment, quote, to focus on becoming a better husband and a healthier person, end quote. The specific treatment is very vague. Then June 12th, TMZ publishes photos of Wiener semi-nude that he took of himself in a locker room. Who knows who he sent those to? And then June 16th, Wiener announces his resignation from Congress and apologizes. And he apologizes for, quote, the personal mistakes I have made and for the embarrassment I have caused. So from the original bulge to the resignation, it's three weeks. This baby is wrapped and done. Okay? I think that's what's so confusing about this is like there are two scandals here. So that's the initial scandal is just the bulge, embarrassing his wife, lying about it being a hack, then eventually saying that it is, okay? December of that year, they have their baby. Now it's, that's December of 2011. In July of 2012, he tells People Magazine, I've got a good life. I have no plans to run for office again. Then a year later, May of 2013, of course he announces he's running for mayor of New York City because these mediocre white men just like can't help themselves. Like you basically left politics in disgrace, but you're still like, I could still be great. People could still love me. Like, and I don't know. I, I the, You got to give it up for like the delusion, you know, drag delusion. So immediately after he announces his mayoral run, a gossip site releases sex of him and a woman on the internet. And I looked up some of these sexts. They're pretty fucking boring, honestly. They're like, oh, I woke up kind of hard. this, Or I've been thinking about you hard. And I woke up this morning feeling very eager and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's nothing that great. And then more pictures um, and sexting are by, allegedly by Wiener are released by the website, The Dirty. And these were all, all these messages were sent using the alias Carlos Danger. So Enrico, Enrique Trouble, equals Carlos Danger. They are from the same family. I love and it. And I think that's I love when it. people went, when I heard that, I went absolutely insane. Like, I remember being like, this could not get funnier. Like, Carlos Danger, like, who does this guy think he is? So he admits to sexting at least three women, but he says that this all happened since his resignation from Congress. And he said there had probably been about six to 10 women involved, total, not, quote unquote, dozens and dozens. So, I'm not that bad. I've only been sexting with six to 10 women outside of my marriage, not dozens and dozens is what he's saying. His campaign manager, Danny Keatum, was like a bye girl and quit the weekend after he admitted everything. Huma stands by him. He says he will not drop out of the mayoral race, even though the New York Times like reads him for filth. Um, there's an op-ed piece about how he has a tr- how he has problems with the truth. And in September... At the mayoral race, he finishes fifth place in the race, which is probably what's going to happen to Alex Munoz in this fake race that we'll never see. His campaign basically imploded after all the sex stuff. And how did he think that it wouldn't? It's like the hubris of Jen Shaw to go on Utah, to go on Salt Lake, knowing that you are a criminal or like 
You know your husband's doing shady shit, Erica Jane. Why are you putting a microscope on you guys by going on Beverly Hills? This is the same with Anthony Weiner. You know this shit's out there and you fucking can't stop yourself because you just have to be in the limelight. So there's a 2016 documentary called Weiner, which is so funny, that covers his resignation from Congress and his disastrous uh, 2013 run for mayor. So now, truthfully, there's three scandals here. Here's the third one. We fast forward to September of 2016. Now it's three years after this sexting scandal. And a Daily Mail article comes out claiming that Weiner had been sexting with a 15-year-old girl. And the FBI is investigating it. So his laptop, so this is the October surprise because this all comes out right before the Trump-Clinton election, okay? All of this comes out. He's connected to Huma. Huma's connected to Hillary. Trump fans are looking for any reason to get on Hillary, her emails, all this shit. Anthony Weiner's laptop was seized and emails related to the Hillary Clinton campaign email controversy were found on it, causing an additional controversy late in the presidential election. And this is also, if you'll remember, we talked about this when we did the Pizzagate episode. This is around the time where super psycho QAnon people thought that the laptop had proof that Hillary and Huma Huma were like eating babies to get their adrenaline or whatever the fuck. Like, well, so we covered this and like, you know, you covered it, but Pizzagate is already a thing. But in Jersey Housewives, they keep, calling the pizza oven debacle w- between Gorga and Louis the Pizzagate. <laughs> like, he, like Joe Gorga's like, oh, more f- with Pizzagate. And I'm like, no, 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 it's already a thing, sir. You cannot yeah. just start you calling. You can't take Pizzagate to be yeah. about you and your sketchy brother-in-law getting into a pizza oven business together. <laughs> yeah. Very different. So whatever. At this point, it's like, Yes, I think he did something wrong. Why didn't this come out in 2015? Why didn't it come out in 2014? You know, this comes out weeks before the election. So as the FBI starts to investigate, they're looking at, they find these emails from the Hillary thing and that leads James Comey to reopen that investigation very late into the presidential election. And Clinton says it is one of the reasons she lost. I mean, ultimately... Nothing was found. Hillary's been cleared of all this email bullshit, but Comey opened it back up right before. So that did all happen. He was investigated. It's just like devastating, devastating. Another man's dumb dick caused us fucking all of this. It's it's devastating. And like, do you wonder if Huma just like apologized to Hillary so much? It was like, I'm sorry I married such a dumbass, but... You probably know what it's like. I don't know. I wonder what their private convos were like. But, but also the email, it's just like, with a what? it's it's like that one thing was enough. Like, I don't know. It's devastating. It's really hard. Yeah. But on May 19th of 2017, Wiener pled guilty to one count of transferring obscene material to a minor. And that is when Huma finally files for divorce, though I don't think that they are still yet officially divorced. No, they, they, I recently saw news that they're back together and like hanging out. And that's what I saw people online being like, this isn't just like cheating. This is a crime. Like your dude was soliciting shit from a 15 year old. Like, how do you forgive that? Yeah. Yeah. I like they, their, their divorce was initially in public proceedings. They took it private to keep their, save their son from embarrassment. So I know that they work on co-parenting together is what I've read about them. 
But listen, September of 2017, he's sentenced to 21 months in federal prison. I had no idea that that happened. I had no idea Anthony Weiner went to jail. He served a sentence until February 17th of 2019. So I think he did like 17 months out of the 21 months in... um, It says Federal Medical Center in Ayer, Massachusetts. I don't know if he got some kind of like cushy psychiatric hold deal where he needs to get looked at for narcissistic personality disorder or something. But I had no idea Anthony Weiner went to jail, got out in 2019, was ordered to register as a sex offender in April of 2019. So he's a registered sex offender. And now... If you're wondering where you can catch Wiener these days, he is on the WABC radio show, which by the way, WABC is an AM radio station that is conservative in the New York and Connecticut area that my father forced me to listen to for my entire childhood. So I'm very familiar. Rush Limbaugh was on there. I'm very familiar with a lot of the people that were on there, including- So he's not a Democrat anymore? No, he is. Including Curtis Sliwa, who is a a, a right wing person? They have a radio show together called "The Left Versus the Right," where it's a little odd couple thing, ha ha ha. But like the show, the the radio station is so crazy, right? Like Trump's people all have channels on that or shows on that channel. So Weiner apparently just kind of goes along with a lot of what Curtis says, and then I'll be like, throw in like one little lefty thing here and there. But that's what he's doing now. He wants everybody back in his corner listening to him on WABC. I was thinking maybe he went full right wing the way we've seen so many canceled men go. But uh, I think he's just actually courting the right wing because, you know, the right wing loves a canceled man. Yeah. And that so is this, that. So this is what I, this is what I, oh, it's the post. But it was April of 2023. Um, Wiener was out with Huma at an event. Yeah, she probably shouldn't be going to events, but I mean, the New York Post had a fucking field day with this, like like covers that say pop goes the wiener, like lots <laughs> of wiener stuff. So yeah, that's the whole story and they borrowed from it pretty, but in like, I don't know, the wiener October surprise was like on an on a woman. And in this case, it was like an October surprise for a guilty politician. So, you know. SVU doing their own thing but with it. But Huma got to date Bradley Cooper. Like, why would they do this? We have a really, really awesome guest for this episode. So uh, stay glued to your driver's seat or wherever the hell you're listening to this podcast. Our guest today is not only a talented actor, but also the first guest on our show to be interviewed while driving. He's on the move. He's going places. He's best known for his recurring roles on shows like Oz, Band of Brothers, and Arrow. He was also in movies like The Thin Red Line and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. But you know him today as the loyal knucklehead Eddie Garcia. Guys, please enjoy our interview with the very talented Kirk Acevedo. Yay, Kirk. Like I said, um, huge. I've been waiting for this since Oz. Um, I'm so excited uh, that you're here. And so we stalked you a little on Instagram. And we love candy corn, too. The best. (laughs) The best. (laughs) You're in a safe space. I like the pumpkins the most, but we both love candy corn. And I couldn't believe I saw it. It's my seasonal candy top. I mean, especially when they come out with, like, the dark ones. With the the, yeah. the the fall Oktoberfest whatever one the brown oh, yeah. pumpkins delicious. 
The autumnal mix, yeah. So, Kirk, wait, where are you driving? I know I'm late, but like, what what's going on? I I, I am driving to a poker tournament, so that's and I'm I yeah, that's where I'm going. Are you in the New York area or the LA area? Where are you? Oh, oh Los Angeles. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, don't drive in New York, man. No, <laughs> God, no. Wait, what, is this just a regular thing for you? The poker tournaments. You know, so uh, when I'm not working, I play poker tournaments. I'm pretty, pretty good at poker tournaments. Okay. I've cashed, I've cashed first place in the last five tournaments in four weeks. So I'm on a, I'm on a heater. Yeah. Do you count cards? I don't even know if that applies to poker. No, no. It, <laughs> that's cheating, it, it, Kara. It's the only, it's the only casino game that's really seventy percent skill and then luck. All casino games are luck. Yeah. Poker, poker isn't. So, God, yeah. yeah, that's why I play roulette, and that's like pure dumb luck, and that's why I play it because I have no skill. Oh God, that's like you know, I know. 30, 37 to one because you got to count zero and double zero. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it's, <laughs> so, but it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, overall, on your, ins- I mean, Instagram sometimes is a lie, but your life seems great. You're out working out. You're eating pizza in the car. You love your wife. You have a beautiful (laughs) cat. You have kids. Oh, thank you. It's like um, you're kind of crushing it. I mean, listen, everybody's got problems, right? Like nothing's perfect. You're right. Like on Instagram, on Twitter, social media in general, like people embellish a lot. I don't use filters. Like I just don't. Like if I do a TV show, I never wear makeup. All they do is powder me. You know, I don't shine. I do my own hair. I never get my hair cut in there. I go to my own barber, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, so I try not to embellish as much as most people do. I'll put it that way. <laughs> like we all we all embellish, right? But not with stuff like, I love my wife. Like if I didn't love my wife, I'm not posting anything about my wife, <laughs> right? I'm getting a divorce. But that's that's not the case. You know what I mean? Like I'm very right. much like fam. I'm a homebody. So like my wife was the one that was like, play poker, get out of the house, literally. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So, Love it. And your cat is very beautiful in terms of every like it is a gorgeous cat. Can I curse on here? Of course. Yeah. I love that little fucking thing so much. <laughs> no, no, no. I you know, I thought the other, like a couple of weeks ago, this is true. And like, it brings, it literally brings me to tears. I'm like, she's around three. And I'm like, oh God, I hope she lives to like 16 or 17 because like, I literally could break down right now. Like, I love that <laughs> fucking thing so much. It's just, I've never loved an animal so much as I love that thing. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Our listeners are going to go wild for this cat content. <laughs> they love a man who loves a cat. <laughs> I never thought I was a cat person. We got the yeah. cat during the beginning of the pandemic, right? We're like, we're bored. Let's get a cat. Probably the worst thing to get a cat for, right? But wow, we love this little thing. Yeah. Love it. I'm glad you're getting time off. Are you going to run any more marathon? Was your marathon time really impressive? Uh, Three uh, hours? That's like really cool, right? Three hours, eight seconds is actually really depressing because if you would have told me, I I trained for a 250, but I got hurt at mile 16. I tore uh, a tendon in my ankle. 
uh, the tibialis. And so I just thought, oh, okay, my, I'm never going to break three hours. Half a mile out, I'm like, oh, this is going to be close. And if you'd have told me nine fucking seconds to break three fucking hours, nine fucking, listen, okay, the best thing ever doing was Lasix. The worst experience ever was not breaking three hours at New York City Marathon. I'll never get that back. I'll never get that, that shape back, that training back, that everything back. Like, I mean, it it still seems so impressive from a non-runner. But you would (laughs) never do it again? So I injured my back really bad doing uh, uh, squats. And so I can't run the same. I just can't run the same. I can't run as fast because something clicks out. (laughs) So, you know, I'm fine. My back doesn't hurt. Like I can walk. I'm fine. I'm fine. But just with the running fast, it just, my, my spine is just, just can't take it. I can run slow. You know, who wants to run slow? I feel like, you know, so. Have you ever been injured on a set? You play a lot of action oh, cops. The, yeah, on Arrow. Arrow, uh, I broke my big toe in three different places and tore three different ligaments. And I was in a boot for three months and I wasn't normal for nine months that was the worst injury that was bad because it still hurts like when it rains and then one of his arrows like the, the back part you know where the feathers are almost poked my eyeball out i had blood and scrape right here at the eyelid like it was bleeding i thought i lost wow. my eyeball i was like Mama! so yeah so doing stunts i'm like fuck you and your stunts and i'm gonna tell you what Everyone thinks like, oh, you're manly, you're tough if you do stunts. Like, look at Tom Cruise. Like, that's what everybody wants to say. Look at Tom Cruise. I'm like, dumb motherfuckers. Tom Cruise gets 50 million if production shuts down because he gets hurt. But he's shut down. Yeah. Kirk Acevedo gets hurt. You know what happens? They replace my Puerto Rican <laughs> ass with a white man. So fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I get, I, get hurt, I get hurt. I don't work. You know what I mean? I love it. Yeah. And also, it's not, stunts are different, right? So I've boxed like for more than half my life, right? Two thirds of my life I've boxed. Throwing punches is not the same on a film set. So you have to time it for the camera, for the camera to pick it up. So it's mostly wide punches. And you normally get hurt doing that. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not the same as really hitting someone. Really hitting someone, the energy comes back to you, you know. Not that you really want to hit. I don't, you know, condone that. But I'm saying you, you, yeah. you, tend, you tend to get hurt more with stunts because you're pulling everything. You know what I mean? Right. So, yes, I've been hurt a lot. So you had, you know, several scenes with Mariska. Everyone we ever talked to is obsessed with her, loves her. Did you enjoy her just the way everyone else did? Oh, she's she's great. She's absolutely great. She's a sweetheart. Uh, I wish I had more scenes with her. Uh, but the scenes I had, she's like amazing. She's fun. She's like singing. She likes dancing. It's the same thing. You know, work serious. But then, you know, uh, have fun. It, it, it can't be, you know, like, not to segue, but people talk about Oz and they're like, 
Hey, was it like, how was it intense? No, we cracked jokes 24 seven because we had to, because it was so heavy. You know what I mean? Like what's happening to you today, Kirk? I'm like, ah, I gotta be naked in the shower today and blah, blah, blah. And the water's, <laughs> the water's really cold. I'm just letting you know. Cold water. <laughs> so we, we would crack jokes all the time. Like some guys getting like, you know, like taking advantage of it. We'd have to crack jokes, you know, and, and it's the same thing with Mariska. Like it's so heavy, the material. You can't carry that every episode, every scene for fucking 20 years. Like you wouldn't be human. It'd be, you know, you have to have fun. And she's yeah. fun. How was Thin Red Line? Was that a fun set? Because that's another heavy thing. And Band of Brothers. You do a lot of intense stuff. Thin Red Line was, I think, my first film. And that was so much fun. And the reason why it was so much fun, oh, God, I can't even tell you these stories. These stories would have to be, let's put it this way. So you're playing basketball with, like, George Clooney, Woody Harrelson, every night when they were on, when they were there filming their stuff. I was there for six months. And, you know, Jim Caviezel and like, it's just who's who. And the fist fights that would happen. <laughs> My goodness, the fist fights that would happen. I can't say between During those. basketball? Yes. Certain people thought they could play basketball and they couldn't. Jim Caviezel played division one basketball. I'll just wow. leave that out there. So there's a, there's, listen, I used to play basketball all the time and I'm not, when I was younger, I was great defensively. I couldn't shoot the ball. I'm small, but I was just the guy that no one wanted on him. Blah blah. And so I played with guys that were like in the G League and blah blah blah. They looked like Allen Iverson. So you got what I'm saying? So compared to actors who think they could play basketball, <laughs> playing against someone that's Division One, and Jim Caviezel. The only reason why he didn't. Take it further, he completely blew out his ACL. That was back then before they had reconstructive surgery. So, wow. yeah, you know, it, it was. And then his wife would play, who played Division One too. And she was elbowing me in the ribs, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like this, Jim, what's up with your wife, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, his, his wife was very tough. Very tough. Wow. My ribs are still hurting. But... Fun stuff. I mean, the pranks on set with Sean Penn doing pranks with Woody Harrelson. Epic pranks that could have gotten people killed. Like, just epic stuff. I'm sorry I can't share it because it's just one of those things I probably sh can't share, you know? Yeah. So, but yes, Thin River Line was a, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Terrence Malick's the best. Sounds like Kermit the Frog in the best way. Like, his voice, you know? So, yeah. good, good, good shit. Yeah. You know, IMDb talks about your voice. It's really funny. Um, IMDb says like your trademark is your deep raspy voice. My deep raspy, <laughs> my deep raspy voice. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> I get two things. I get, I love your voice or I get, are you sick? You need tea? Like, <laughs> no. You know, it's funny because I've heard the change in my voice. So my voice was always deep. But it's gotten more raspy as I have gotten older. It wasn't raspy yeah. when I was younger at all. And that's what I miss because my Achilles heel, my greatest strength, like, is my voice. But my Achilles heel is my voice, too, because I can't do theater anymore. 
mean, that's oh, yeah. because it won't hold up. I'll lose my voice. No, damn. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And then that's, I love, I mean, you know, I mean, I've done shepherd plays and stuff like that. And I, I miss theater. I can't do it. Yeah. I've been offered, I've been offered stuff and I'm just like, I just worry that my voice is not going to hold up, especially the stuff that I would do, which is very emotional stuff and edgy and big and explosive. And I'm like, there's just no way I could give you 50%. I'd want to do 95 to 100 every show. So, and I couldn't. Yeah, night after night, that for like a long run, that's tough. Yeah. Even when I was younger, we do eight shows a week and I was doing the Shepherd play and T-Bone Burnett wrote the music and I had to sing two songs and D'Onofrio was in it, Vincent D'Onofrio. I couldn't talk throughout the whole fucking week. I was on voice rest every fucking months, man. Like my life was miserable. Like it was, I, you were, you're miserable. I can't talk. I can't talk on the phone. And even back then I had a phone. Couldn't talk on the phone. Couldn't talk to people. Like I'm on voice rest. I'm tea and ginger and water and water. And I was miserable. I had fun on stage, but that's what yeah. you're doing it for. And then every performance is like, well, take off the matinee because it's kids. And I'm like, no, I can't. Take off this show. Like, meaning, take off, like, give them 60%. I can't. My acting teachers are coming. I can't. That motherfucker I hate's coming. I can't. <laughs> My ex is coming. I got to show her why she fucked up. You know, it's like every, every, every motivation you have to use. Like, yeah. I can't be complacent. I'm so competitive. I can't be complacent. I just can't. You, you rob people of their $75, $80 or whatever they paid. I, yeah. I can't do it. I can't do yeah. it, yeah. Um, you know so many people. Have you ever been starstruck? Yes, one time in my life. Uh, Felix Trinidad, Oscar De La Hoya fight back in the day. I used to work for HBO. We got free tickets. And I'm sitting right behind Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. And every time the rows are so small that you have to stand up to the people to pass. And there's three seats, three seats to the right of me that are empty. And every time somebody would pass, they'd step on my shoes. You know, I got like, you know, like my Prada shoes, you know, I'm a shoe <laughs> freak. And uh, they kept on stepping on my shoes. I'm like, so I get up again and I'm, now I'm looking at my shoes. I'm not looking to see who's come. I'm making sure no one steps on them. And then somebody steps on my shoes again. And I look at my buddy Rath and I'm like, motherfuckers keep on stepping on my fucking shoes. And this guy sits down next to me and I look, I haven't looked at who it was and his leg is touching mine. Like, I'm like, Jesus fucking, and I'm not a big guy. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Now he's like taking over the seat. And I look at my buddy Raph and he's looks at me like, yo, yo. And I look and it's Jack fucking Nicholson. And for three, <laughs> three fucking hours, because he's a boxing head and a sports fanatic, and so am I. We spoke for three fucking hours. Him and his best buddy, that's always there, the crazy long-haired white guy, and Lara Flynn Boyle at the time, who he was seeing. Wow, and, yeah. uh, and uh, we spoke, literally, nonstop. He's there for all the fights. And uh, he's saying something to me, and he's like, you know who you look like? And he was mentioning some old-school boxer and I'm just looking at his mouth and I'm not hearing anything. I'm just looking at his mouth. And he goes like this. 
are you okay? Like, I didn't mean to offend you. And I go, no, what do you mean? It's like, he's a good looking guy. So the person he was describing me, like saying, you look like this guy. And I was like, and he just caught me in a moment where I'm just (laughs) staring at his mouth. Wait, um, you also, you had some scenes with Raul Esparza. Did you guys get along? Yeah. You like him? Uh, yeah, nice guy. I mean, first time, first time I met him, very nice. Uh, you know, and you know what's great about people like Mariska and Raul or anyone who does this? When you come on someone's show, you're helping their show. Whether you're a guest star, whether you do one scene, you're helping their show. It's their show. What they should do is welcome you into their show. And both of them are A plus in doing that. And so for me, I've worked on shows where the leads are assholes. And you're like, I don't even want to be here. I don't even want to do good work for you. I don't want to do good work for you. I I don't. Like, here you are. You're the top 2% in our union. You have a job as number one, number two, number three on a call sheet. And you're an asshole. And you're not that good. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's, It's So for me... Any show where I was one of the leads, man, I'm like, hey, can we get Starbucks? What Starbucks you want? Can we get this? What do you want? Everything. I make sure. Like, you, you have to take care of them. It's Maybe it's because I grew up having to, like, you know, you have to take care of people. You know what I mean? And, you know, in this business, there's a hierarchy. And unfortunately, it like, it shits all the way down. So I just make sure it doesn't happen to those people. On Oz, the extras, the day players, you know, who played the background, right? The, the guys in prison, they were there every show. So the first season, how it works on movie sets or TV sets is background has to wait till the principal actors eat first. We made sure that never happened. Season one, episode two. We made sure that never happened. So the background on Oz ate alongside us and we waited behind. It didn't matter. We made sure all the actors made sure that didn't happen. Wait, so you're an actor and your brother's a federal agent? Your bro- you play the roles that your brother does in real life. Yeah. Yeah. And also I have a half brother. He's also uh, a, a DC uh, a police officer in DC. And he was there at fucking January 6th. Oh my God. Yeah, so yeah, like I got it. Like it's, it's hysterical. All my brothers are like law enforcement. And do we, but you play so much law enforcement. Do yeah. you talk to them um, and ask questions or do they make fun of you? Like, what's the dynamic? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's as long as I hold the weapon properly. And you know, it's so funny. It's like the guy who did um, what's, what's that? Not Hill Street Blues. What was the one after Hill Street Blues? Big cop show. NYPD Blue. Steven NYPD Blue. NYPD Blue. So I did like the eighth season. You know, it's Dennis France, lovely man. And the on-set technical advisor, the TA, who was also a producer and an asshole, uh, <laughs> I, I was a beat cop. And it's outside. And it's cool. I have my hands in my pocket. He's like, hey, no police officer would ever have his hands in his pocket. And I go, oh, yes, they would. I go, I live in New York all my life. I've seen cops with their hands in their pocket because it's cold. And he's like, 
it's not true. And I'm like, he, he wanted me to play a cop his way. And I'm like, this is my interpretation, motherfucker. My interpretation. I don't care if you're a producer. I don't care who you are. You don't tell me how to perform. You don't do that. You're not the director. And then even if, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm more successful at what I do than what you do. Don't tell me how to play this. So, like, my, and I told it to my brother, my older brother. He's like, fucking idiot. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's also, like, a Chicago cop. Like, it's, it's just a different... It's a different. I got no filter. Well, we'll let you go. I mean, what? this was awesome. Do you have anything coming up you would like to tell people about? Yeah. Uh, writing with uh, my wife. Uh, we're writing three different projects right now. Three different things. Uh, it's very, very hard to write three different things. So, uh, but each day is a different task. And uh, but just waiting out the the writer's strike. And hope the writers get what they want and, and yeah. the actors get what they want. It's well-deserved. We we can't work w- without the other. And uh, Well, today a- I woke up and uh, one video I saw that one of the executives straight up was like, we're going to use AI and we're going to use AI eventually for editing too. And it's like, what the fuck? The AI isn't good enough. So, so AI for voiceovers, you could do. But AI for my face in a live action, I don't think AI is good enough yet. Yeah. We're human. Can we not have human experiences? It's so fucked up. And and listen, like, so they think like, let's just cast an AI, right? Let's just let's just go there. Who's gonna act for the AI? What I mean by this is this. So a lot of the beautiful moments happen in the mistakes, right? So in a, in a flub of a line and someone ad-libs, that's where the beauty comes in. Right. AI doesn't know how to do that. The, the, the magic is in the mistakes. So the same thing, for instance, uh, in close range with Christopher Walken and Sean Penn, right? So the, the heated scene between the two where Sean Penn pulls out the gun on uh, Christopher Walken, Sean Penn... Pulled out a gun because Walker didn't expect the gun to the gun to be in the scene, and then fires it off next to him. But it was a blank, and he put the blank in. So that that reaction is is original. AI doesn't know how to do that. Those moments that talented real actors know how to do and how to draw out other actors, AI can't do that. Yeah, AI can't do that. You tell me AI could act as well as Meryl Streep? No. What are you thinking? It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. You, you could, it could only do what you program it to do, right? Yeah. So it doesn't understand nuance. That's another thing. It can't do nuance. Like you, you watch Truly Madly Deeply, right? Uh, where the girl's talking to her, her therapist about her dead husband, Alan Rickman, the great Alan, Alan Rickman, and Julia Stevenson, I think is the actress's name. And in that monologue, she gets angry, she cries, she laughs, she gets angry and laughs. Fuck, I get chills right now thinking of that performance. If you've never seen that film, see it. I typed it in. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I've not seen that. And I love her performance is fucking phenomenal. You're going to be like, why have I never heard of this woman? Because she's brilliant and AI can't do that. 
AI can't make choices like that. For sure. Well, we were so happy we got you to talk to us. We're excited. Um, And we'll, yeah, we'll look out for like the projects with you and your wife. And thank you so much for talking to us en route to poker. Crush it. You guys are the best. I had fun. Wishing you a lot of royal flushes or (laughs) whatever. That was incredible. I'm obsessed with him. I love that he's gambling. He loves his wife. He loves his cat. He is the best. I mean, I think I've fallen in love with a few of our guests, but Kirk's definitely getting added to the list of, I'm smitten. I'm obsessed. I also just like love how we keep finding out who's married to each other. Like his wife, like I remember so well from Saved by the Bell, the new class. And it's like, I just was like, these two people are married. Like it's just like scrambles my brain every time we figure it out. But I love it. And I Um, love the little tidbits about Oz. Like it's such a little thing. Just like, yeah, we eat all together, whether you're background or not. (laughs) It's like our business is so like the monarchy or something. It's it's so funny. Um, wait, I, I also, um, I don't want this to go unnoticed, but your intro, you did call his character a loyal knucklehead. And that was very funny to me. <laughs> because I was in love with we gotta give that. Too. We got to give that up to Casey. Casey put that in the, in the outline. That's a Casey, that's a Casey editorial. Love knucklehead edition. Um, obsessed. <laughs> obsessed with this episode. Stop sending um dick pics to teens. That is not like what honestly, you do. like I, I don't know how to get it through everybody's head at this point. Like the internet is forever. Nothing is nothing can be deleted. Nothing, you're not gonna not get busted for anything you do on the internet. Like it's just it's forever. Ooh, speaking of, there are new episodes of the Black Mirror coming out. Oh, and- I saw that. Jared Goldstein, of not a guest of the pod, but a friend of the pod in a literal sense, um, <laughs> is in it, is in one of the episodes. So I can't fucking wait. So cool. Yeah, I talked to him about it when he did my show a couple weeks ago and I was like, I can't wait to see it. I can't I, wait. Because I don't know if I would be as appointment television. Like, you know, obviously I'll watch a Black Mirror, of course, but like, I think at midnight, strike of midnight. I cannot yeah. wait. I love Black Mirror. I'm excited for that. But yeah, like just, it just, you know, politicians are no better than athletes or celebrity, like movie stars or anything. And just thinking that they can kind of get away with stuff like, oh, I'm just at a level where I'm not going to get caught. And it's like, but you've seen every person get caught time after time. The ex-president of the United States is being indicted as we speak. (laughs) No, it's not about the job. What they all have to, it's arrogance. Yeah. It's arrogance. It's like, they all are just so arrogant. And not to bring this up because it is sad and I can't stop talking about it even though I should. I think all everyone is sick of it in my life. No, it's not Vanderpump. It's that boy being eaten by sharks. Like... (laughs) Arrogance. You cannot jump in the water and not get eaten by a shark. The shark won't get me. It's like, they will get you. But also, I get why men think they'll get away with it because... They do a lot. They have the for a long have. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just feel like even more, it's just, you're less likely to get away with shit now that there's the internet. Like I've just, we constantly are seeing everyday people getting busted, like congressmen or governors, like writing to gay boys on their Instagrams being like, you look great, you know, even though they're trying to promote anti-gay legislation or like Trump or any of these people. It's like, you guys are so fucking dumb. And- you have a, 
I don't know. It's like, that's not, it has nothing to do with it. I'm, but I'm like, you have this beautiful dynamic wife at home. Like, why are you sending pictures of your bulging crotch to like random 17 year olds on the internet? Like, but that's not what it's about, right? It's not about your, what, like your wife is not, is or isn't doing. It's about like these guys being arrogant and obsessed with attention. Yeah, and the power element of it, because, you know, Louis always comes up in convos, and it's yes. like, lots of people would have done it. He had money to hire sex workers, like, all this stuff. He didn't want, he wanted to make people uncomfortable. Like, yeah. that, you don't take out your dick at work for fun. Like, it is to make someone uncomfortable. That is, like, a part of it. Yeah. I don't, you know, they're just, like, little sickos. <laughs> and I guess like what we've learned is like, if you're going to make up a fake screen name, like just, I don't know, go with something simple. Steve123745. Like, let's not do Carlos Danger or what was like one in the show? Something Trouble. Enrique Trouble. <laughs> Enrique Trouble. It's disgusting. It's the, and you're old. You're lame. You're chuggy, as they say. Right? Is that <laughs> did I did I just become chuggy by not using chuggy? Correct. <laughs> I um yeah. You're like ugh. It's just disgusting. Yeah. Like every. I don't know. Old. It's listen. I don't know when <laughs> we learn the same things over and over in every episode. It's like... Well, no, I mean, I, I I thought this episode was interesting too because like it really like we through Barba we saw the like whole loyalty thing. Like, are you loyal to your pals back home? Like, are you? All of you struggled to make it to the top, but now some people are letting it go to their head. Like, how do you handle but that? Also, the wife did make the wrong choice. You should have been with Barba. Yeah. Yeah. Barbara's the better person, human, mate, probably. Like, I I don't think Barbara would pull this kind of shit. Yeah, and we all know he would have eaten your ass like a champ, right? Yeah. So, stupid. Uh, that's just a reference to our live shows where we ask people that, you guys, in case you're like, what are you talking about? We don't know anything about actual Barbara's analingus abilities. We just uh, like to talk about it at our live shows. Should we move on to what would Sister Peg do? That would be lovely. Um, you know this segment, guys. This is where we give you guys a article, an organization, a podcast episode, a doc, something to flesh out a little bit more about what we talked about in today's episode. And we thought this week we would just point you to the 2016 documentary, Wiener. The doc follows Anthony Wiener as he stages an attempted comeback from his sexting scandal by running for mayor of New York City. Um, it is showing for free on Plex. I don't know what that is, but the link is in our show notes and on our Instagram uh, and saved in our Instagram highlights called WWSPD2. So you could just click on that or you could honestly just Google it and it pops right up and you could just watch this doc on Plex immediately. I think just if you want to sort of see where some of the like delusion of these politicians is, that this guy knew he had more shit out there on himself. And he's like, you know what? Hopping into the mayoral race. So check well, it out if you feel like Not it. only that, while you were talking, I was re-reminded his last name is Wiener. Like, I know. You also just, why don't you straight lace it if your last name is Wiener? How about that? You got to be on your best behavior if your last name is Wiener. I'm oh sorry. Oh my God. Okay. I used to work with a guy, but he went by Weiner. I don't know. I guess it's like to each to each their own. Uh, but yeah. And next week we have uh, a fucked up episode, as always, waiting for you. PTSD, season 10, episode nine. Watch on Hulu or Peacock, which has become 
my holy grail. I don't know what I would do without Peacock. Uh, after we finish today, I am going to watch the uncensored Jersey Housewives reunion. Extended. Oh, I gotta watch Last that. part. I gotta watch that. With the husbands. Well, because all I see are the memes and everyone's like, John Fuda's a real one. John Fuda. So I was like, yeah. I can't wait to see what John Fuda does. I can't does. wait to see what John Fuda does. Good. That's so true. I saw one last night before I went to bed that was like, the one guy you don't want to fuck with is John Fuda. And I was like, what did John Fuda do? So I'm pumped. Because he's um, been silent and drunk the whole season. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everyone's just like, let's all get in line and suck John Fuda's dick. He protects his family and he doesn't give a fuck. And I'm like, okay. I like them. I like Rachel and John Fuda, but we'll see. You know, sophomore slump. By next season, I'll probably hate them all. Um, thanks, you guys. Thanks for listening. Come see us live. Uh, we're on, you know, we're on TikTok, Instagram. Send us an email. That's messed up pod at Gmail. Uh, we love you guys and thank you for listening. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmessedappod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmessedappod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Casey O'Brien. And to our mixer, John Bradley, and our guest booker, Patrick Kotner. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Dun, dun! dun. <laughs> Follow That's Messed Up and SVU Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.